This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Justin Weideman with special guest, car builder, racing analyst, and TV show host, Rutledge Wood. Here we go. What's going on, guys? It's Justin here with Summit Racing, and we have our buddy Rutledge Wood here with us. We're going to talk cars and all sorts of other fun stuff. So what's going on, Rutledge? How are you today? Oh, man, it's so it's so fun to get to hang with you. I know we're both into a lot of different kind of fun and funky cars. And certainly, you know, I've been uh, doing fun stuff with Summit for like 10 or 12 years now. And I love that for so many of us that are into so many different projects, whether it's putting an LS3 525 horse crate motor like we did in the back of a 911, or say working on your Tundra, whatever it is, I love that Summit is a place that has so many different parts for so many different people, because it also means if you go to any of the events, you go to the Hot Rod Power Tour, you know, Justin, you know, whether it's the Jeep or the, you know, 30s Hot Rod Ford that you come in on, what I love is that it brings people together. That's one of the coolest things about this brand. I'm right there with you. One of my favorite parts about this is we're all into something different. It doesn't matter what it is. Absolutely. And yeah, let's talk about some fun, uh, some fun stuff that um, we're working on. So yeah, what do you, you're building a blazer project currently, which is super, we, we all love those square body blazers. Absolutely. My 72 K5 blazer project. And I actually got this from a buddy of mine on Instagram who I had met on the Hot Rod Power Tour being out there with Summit before. And for years, he's out in Iowa and he would get these cool projects. And man, they're, you know, the hard part about the more friends you make in this world that are certainly related to cars, when they get really fun projects, it's hard to not try to jump at all of them. And so I kept being like, no, this isn't the right one. This isn't the right one. Well, he ended up with this blazer. It had spent most of its life in Colorado. He got it to Iowa. I scooped it up from him. And then, uh, of course, first thing I do is go to some racing website. So I started looking, okay, what can I do? Well, we went with the 5.3 Summit LS. So it's a 450 horse. And then I started looking around, okay, what other kind of stuff can we do? I wanted to keep that patina on the outside. Like that, to me, is what makes it so special. You're telling this story of the vehicle. So we we did a two-inch Tough Country lift, cleaned up the frame, put uh steel it all over it just cleaned it up a lot then i did a gear vendors that's a 4l80e four speed in there rebuilt the transfer case we did bear brakes tmi as you know great partner of summit uh, i started looking at all the stuff they have for the blazer and you know it's so cool when you can recreate with some style and some function some of these interiors and i think this is the fourth tmi interior i've, I've done first off the seats are killer to have some hold and some function in there My 68 Camaro, the Tanner and I ended up having the same cars. We called them the evil twins. I put those same uh, seats. I did the ones with headrests in that one in the 68. But man, those those Pro-R seats that they make are so comfortable. Changed the vehicle a ton. Uh, so now I've been, I've been kind of shaking it down. I just picked it up last week at the Kenwood Rod Shop. My friend Randy still builds all my stuff. We did a show together called Lost in Transmission in between seasons of Top Gear. I, you know, I do. It's funny. I think because I've I've been a partner and ambassador for Toyota for so long, I think that people thought I must only like Toyotas, but turns out I drive Toyotas every day. I build on those, I wrench on them, but turns out I love everything. So yeah, you know, I got a, I got a weird collection of stuff. Tanner calls it an accumulation. He says, I'm not a car collector. I'm an accumulator. I think that might be, that might be. I, you know, I'm the same way. I just like stuff. 
I've been on a um, hot air balloon kick lately. I, I want to buy hot air wow. balloon in the worst kind of ways. My Have friend you been in I'm, one? Uh, no, I've been in the good <laughs> <year>. <laughs> Why would you want to buy one if you haven't even been in one? Uh, dude, there's something about floating with no actual control that just puts a smile. Or home-built airplanes. Like my Facebook marketplace is, is oh. totally destroyed because it's all ultralights, hot air balloons, and home-built airplanes. And I'm just like, this is not what I'm looking for, but it's a sign. Do you have Google at the house where you are? Because you can look up the the, the success rate and failure rate for home-built aircrafts is a stat that you can find fairly easily. So I just want to encourage you to maybe just take a hot air balloon ride with a professional before you go in on it. Just food for thought. So I found it was before I went and bought my new dirt bike and I had a, a pocket full of cash. I find this hot air balloon and I message the lady. I'm like, I'll come get it right now. Like I will be on my way to your house. She wouldn't work with me on the price at all. So, um, <laughs> so then I start researching. I'm like, how hard can this be? Do you just go get like, go, um, just take a class, like a boater's license. It is not that simple. And not only do you need a pilot's license, but then you have to get some kind of certification on top of that to operate a hot air balloon. So I was like, oh, we're going to be outlaw hot air ballooning. You could start with the tether. You know, there are people that will bring a hot air balloon to an event and they launch it and then they just bring it right back down. Maybe start with that, you know. I just like to, um, to, to jump into things. I'm a head first kind of guy. Right. <laughs> I'm getting that feeling right now. That's fantastic. Well, here's my latest um marketplace buy i bought my old 96 roadmaster station wagon back the guy i sold it to it was 2016 we built that one on loss and transmission it's lowered on 18s we did i think hotchkiss suspension all the way around it that one has the lt1 we painted it it's like a lamborghini i think it's called tiesto gray and then i did a barnwood uh wood grain down the side so it's like a little lighter grayish wood and I sold it to this guy in 2016 and a couple, it was probably six months ago. He's like, Hey man, I'm going to sell the car. If you want it, let me know. And I was like, Oh, those cars have gone up in value. I think I do want that. And so he gave me a shot. I bought it back. It showed up last week. Uh, it only has 7,000 more miles on it and it looked perfect. The shipping dude put it too close to another car on the trailer. So it rubbed the paint off the bumper. And that one, that one breaks your heart because like this car's in such good shape outside of that. And the outside door handle, driver's door handle won't work. I think it either got like someone popped it just right and it slung the rod off or something else broke underneath there. I got to take that apart. But man, I'm excited to have that stuff back. You know, that's, but again, had I stayed off marketplace, I wouldn't be looking for Roadmasters all the time. We transitioned from, Cra I always say Craigslist by mistake all the time too. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah shopping around on Craigslist. You mean marketplace? I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm at marketplace. What's funny is that Craigslist, I actually started uh, with the Speed Channel in 2005. That was my way into NASCAR from a Craigslist ad. So Craigslist has always had this very special place in my heart. And we, it's funny, Craigslist is now, it's still really functional. I don't know if you ever get fed up of marketplace and you go back to Craigslist. It's funny because in some ways it's better even though it's a worse interface on every like what, like it's the most antiquated thing on the internet, but sometimes you can just find ones kind of cut to the chase. Did you ever grab an auto trader at your local gas station? Oh yeah. We had, um, I'm trying to remember, we had a thing called the Atlanta advertiser and it was just classified stacked up. Now, sometimes there was like a little bit of an order to it, but also people would just like throw a Frisbee or a dart at it and be like, I'm going to put my car ad in the music equipment. And so sometimes you'd see something that, oh, it's a band van or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, there's so many good ways. I ended up, you know, when the forums, internet forums really took off, 
we had like Import Lounge, Import Atlanta. Then there was another one. I can't remember the other big one. But like I showed up one day and I they had made me a moderator. And I was like, I didn't want to be a moderator. And they're like, no, you were the guy that would kindly tell people. Like they'd go to list something and I'd be like, hey, just heads up. If you're saying for sale, you know, 94 Toyota Supra, it's really helpful to everyone else if we know like how many miles are on it. Uh, is it running? Uh, is it a manual or automatic? Like, I would just be like, hey, could you please help me help you? And so they made me a moderator. But turns out you didn't, no one wanted to be a moderator because then you feel like you got to like bust up the nerds. But the auto trader, oh man, every week it would come out and you'd get to go, you'd get to look at those pictures. It was funny because it was so cheap and they had to have been making so much money. It's still a great website for the record if you're looking for something, but that interface was so awesome because you could dream about it. And I, I don't know about you, like were your, were your summers, like I mowed lawns so I could have money to buy the auto trader so I could think about having enough lawns to be mowed to then afford the $400 car, whatever I was looking at. Like what were, what were your early jobs? Uh, so growing up, my, my dad owned a gutter company. There was a lot of my earlier youth, you know, helping my dad out doing that kind of stuff. But then same deal. It was all about side hustles. Once I got, you know, started wrenching, it was fixing other people's stuff to fix my own daily driver. I had this two-wheel drive Dodge Dakota. And um, Ooh, was that the V6 or V8? V6. My dad got to pick it out. That was the stipulation. He's like, you know, I'll help you get a vehicle. But I, you know, if I'm going to be giving you some money, I get to pick what it is. I come home from school one day and there's a two-wheel drive Dodge Dakota in the driveway. And I'm like, oh, whose jalopy is this? And my dad's like, these are your new wheels. <laughs> and um, he's like, it's not for, he's like, it's got a bed. You can haul your four-wheeler, but it's not four-wheel drive. So you don't get yourself into any situations. Smart move. Well, little did my dad know that I know that Baja trucks are two-wheel drive. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's all about, you just have to hit everything with enough speed and then you will get, get through it. But that was the same deal. It was just like, beat the snot out of the thing. Something yeah. epic would break. And it was like, well, I need to fix, I need to do some tune-ups or change oil or ball joints. So I have money to fix my own stuff to drive places. Absolutely. And that, now keep in mind, was this a, was this one of the square, super square body Dakotas? Oh no, this was a mint. This was like that uh, early two, it was an 04. So that round oh. early two, it was actually, I commend my father because it was actually a really nice, it had RT wheels on it. Like, Yeah, that was the same. Your dad's crazy. That's too nice to have handed you that truck at that age. I laugh <laughs> about it now. Like I, I still say I've owned all sorts of cool stuff. And I'm like, that's still the, my favorite vehicle I've ever had. It had a ridiculous uh, sound system in it. Oh, and a, um, I chopped the exhaust off it and put like a H. I got my hands on an HKS like fart can. And oh, put there that we on. go. It was, it was dialed. It was um, it was my favorite. It was great. What I love is that we've come so full circle in car stuff now. I swear the same dudes that have those like eight to ten inch cans on their exhaust now on those gigantic diesels that sound like a dump truck. Like for the record, there was a time when driving a dump truck wasn't that cool, and now. Every bro with a diesel sounds like a dump truck. And I'm like, all right, it's fine. But when you're at, when you see one and it's sitting at idle and I can hear the blades of the turbine spinning, I'm like, guys, that's too loud for y'all. It's too loud for me. And then I think, were they the ones that were making fun of us when we started messing with imports and we all had the little like, yeah, some of them were, we called it the fart can, the bumblebee. Like, were they the same ones making fun of CRXs running a five inch 
tip on the back of an exhaust and now they've got a coffee can. Totally. And folks, we've received some questions for this interview from our social media accounts. Let's get into some of those. First off, Mark Jackson here asks if you're going to the next Hot Rod Power Tour. I really hope so. Um, you know, past two years, I, I brought my friends uh, from Toyota Racing to be a part of it because so many of them are, are gearheads too. And uh, I took my Supra out there last year. And it's funny because a lot of people were mildly offended that I would bring a, a Toyota Supra on the Hot Rod Power Tour. And then they saw how fast it was. And they're like, okay, yeah, no, I, I buy that. That totally makes sense. Uh, it's starting in Atlanta, which is super fun. So I think if nothing else, uh, I will definitely be in Atlanta. I might do day two. It kind of depends. I've always tried to get my family to go and they've never really been that stoked about it. But with the Blazer, I think I got a shot at it. So I definitely, I know I want to have the Blazer at Atlanta Motor Speedway with Summit day one. Um, so, so many people can, can come and see it. I keep trying to, uh, I keep trying to find a good Saturday that I can throw like a mini pop up. Cause I'd love, you know, Justin, when you work on something this much, I really want people to be able to see it and get up close in it. But long story short, yes, I'll be on at least part of the power tour mark. And uh, I want everybody to get to see the blazer uh, up close. So we got to do that. Now I Justin, I don't want to leave this hanging. First off that Oh four, man, that RT of that truck is still, Dude, the Dakotas are are really underrated for a lot of things. So I just want to give credit. That's a it's stock. Those wheels, those split fives. It's it was just a killer setup, Chef, right? Chef's kiss, and they came yeah. in so many cool cut. Like, yes, uh, actually, uh, one of my buddies had yeah. a yellow RT V8. The thing was gorgeous. It was beautiful. I loved it so much. Like, yes. Um, so that, for the record, that's my favorite because the Shelby convertible. Like, first off. The fact that any OEM ever made a convertible pickup that was functional, there was a reason no one else did it because they couldn't look other people in the eye and be like, we made a convertible pickup. You're going to love Like they just, no one else could do that. But turns out they were awesome. They're still cool. They're hard to find. I've seen a couple that were a pretty decent deal, but you and I know if you don't find one that is running and driving and functional, dude, the amount of money that you spend trying to fix it to just be a crappy car is so much more than people can possibly comprehend. It's insane. What makes me laugh is, I don't know about you, my dad does this, and I realize I do it with cars, but like my dad's kind of guy who, like, if something's for sale for $10, he'll look for one that's five, but it needs $3 worth of work so he can feel like he's been. I really, you and I, we probably do that same thing with cars. Like, I'll find one and be like, well, it's a pretty good deal. Yes. Yeah. The motor let go. But here's the thing we could just make it a little bit better. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll put a new motor. And then there, and then you're like, well, I mean, you have to upgrade the transmission too to match the motor yeah obviously well then you know the also the rear end won't hold that power and you're like yeah or that running driving one was actually only fifteen hundred dollars more but i wanted that's the i just I, I don't know why i'm such a sucker for that that's what's got me from like the marketplace deals i'll chase a deal i'll chase a 500 car for a week if i have to and then you get it and you're like oh it's a 300 car all day what was i thinking like <laughs> That's one of the biggest questions. I am the advocate of driving $500 vehicles. I have a brand new fancy dirt bike because you have to, you know, you have to have something nice. And I put it in the back of my $500 pickup truck with a smile on my face. (laughs) Absolutely. That's brilliant. I mean, there's nothing bad at at all. We've got another question from one of our listeners here. And Scott asks if you still got that purple Toyota Fundra. So I built, um, also with Summit, I built a supercharged 
2016 Toyota Tundra TRD Pro. Now I I built a four wheel drive that I lowered, and I realized why some people have an issue with that. But the reason I got the idea. Tanner Faust that I did Top Gear with, and you all know Adafar too. So Tanner used to be sponsored by Toyota, and when he was, um, he had a Magnuson supercharged Tundra, and he put it in four-wheel drive high once, and we left a traffic light in L.A., and all four tires were smoking, and I was like, this is what I want. So it took me a few years, but I built this purple one we called the Fundra, and it had a, a wide-body Honey D um, kit, and we wrapped it first to look like Ivan Stewart's Iron Man truck. And I love that. We took it on the power tour. Then Magnuson, we sent it out there. They supercharged it. Love them. They make such cool stuff. Brought it back and then um, changed some wheels, had rotiforms on there, took it on the hot rod power tour. And I love that thing. But during the pandemic, somebody asked if they could buy it during 2020. And it was one of those weird times where a lot of us were like, I don't know if I'll ever work again. I, yeah, if someone wants to buy something, everything's for sale. I got kids. So I sold it. And then it was one of those weird things where I told the guy, because I had it specialty tuned, you had to like hold traction control down for like five seconds and take it off. Then you put it again for another five seconds. It would turn everything off. And it was a rocket ship. However... You know, Justin, sometimes your friends might have like a piggyback tumor. There are certain procedures, right? Like you've got you to follow the list of things. Well, this cat that I sold it to, he thought that was stupid. And I was like, you got to do it every time. So he, he basically blew it up on the way home because the truck, if you didn't do that, would go into this like panic threshold and it would suddenly cut fuel to half the cylinders. So it sounds like you're blowing it up. Well, I have to believe that if you're hard enough on the accelerator trying to get that back to Chicago or wherever, I think the dude grenaded it. And then it's this weird dance where like, I'm in a place where I can't sell anything because people act like a jerk if I do, because they either act like, well, you, I shouldn't pay you anything because you work in the industry. I'm like, y'all, I paid for this stuff. I just, I've just tried to buy another crappy thing to fix up. So it was one of these weird dances where I tried to get them a motor and then that I don't know if they ever put it. So I don't actually know what happened to it, but I saw it recently. It seems like it's doing well. I would bet good money. It's still in the original engine and I got suckered to giving them money back, but that's just me. You know, you go, you win some and you lose some. I've bought a lot of car, like I have a, a 98 Civic. I love the car. The thing is, yes. just, it was cherry. It was a grandma car when I got it, but it was, a, it was a non-runner. So it was, so she was cheap and it was show up, put a distributor in it, start it and then drive it home. And like, you feel bad. You're like, ah, uh, it was a $50 fix. And you know, right. but that's, that's but all the part about the deals. Did but, you save hey, the HKS can from that Dakota to put on this civic? Cause that would really come in handy. Dude, that is, I was just complaining cause I ripped the exhaust. So I won't drive it because it's loud. There's a, dude, there's a funny, there's a funny transition where I feel like anyone listening knows like there's that point where you're like, all right, needs a really loud stereo and a super loud exhaust. And then you're like, okay, well it needs a decent stereo still needs a good exhaust. And one day you're like, you know, do you have a, a high flow exhaust that's not that loud? And then Magnaflow is like, we got you, bro. No drone technology. We'll make anything you want. We'll get you power, but it's not going to make your ears bleed. And when I, there are times there used to be this cat that lived near us that had straight pipes on a, like a Z 71. And it, to me, it sounded so bad that I was like, number one, I know he's losing power. Like there was no back pressure was all jacked up. Everything about it just sounded so bad. And I thought, 
I'm concerned as a dad for your ears. And I kind of wanted to be like, Hey man, um, I have some mufflers that came off another project. Do you, do you want something that's going to like sound good? And then I was like, I can't do that. I mean, that's I'm, I'm like leading the horse to water. Then I'm going to hold its head under to take a drink. I can get, I had a neighbor buy me a muffler in high school and set it on my parents' porch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I came, you know, came home and there's just a, a, a thrush muffler sitting there and it's just like, same deal. It's like, it's funny how we go from driving loud, obnoxious, very identifiable vehicles to like the spy car is uh, like right. what we refer to them as. Can I say hi to Charlie? He said that um, my family and I met Rut in New Hampshire when they were filming Top Gear and they were very kind to my daughter. She's in college now and works for a car museum. That doesn't make me feel old at all to think that I met your daughter when she was a child. Now she's in college. That was seamless. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, it's it's funny. You know, I started doing NASCAR in 2015 for the Speed Channel and which is owned by Fox. So I worked for Fox for 10 years and Top Gear found me doing that from a race fan that loaded this video onto YouTube illegally uh, that I interviewed John Schneider from the Dukes of Hazard while riding around Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, in a Dodge Charger yes. paying up to look like the General Lee. We end up doing Top Gear and, you know, the people that I met from that, it's just been such a cool thing because sometimes it was like, you know, it might be a, a husband and wife watching Top Gear and the wife would watch because she realized it's just about three idiots. Turns out it is. There's some cars in there, too. But it's really just about these three idiots on adventures. And now so many of those people's kids know me from doing Floor is Lava on Netflix or Hyperdrive, any of the other things I've done over there. It's just a really funny thing. I hosted an electric car race in my daughter's uh, elementary school this morning. It's like the fifth or sixth year in a row I've done it. And the amount of kids that know me from Flora's Lava is, I mean, it's like a 97%, right? Every kid there knows it. And then someone's like, how do you know so much about cars? And I kind of laughed. I was like, that's, well, that's what I do. Like, that's Hey, here's another question. Uh, one of the listeners wants to know if you plan on doing a giveaway with that new Jeep. I built a Jeep. It was a junkyard Wrangler that I pulled out. It had been in my buddy's junkyard for like 10 years. And man, was it gross. They also, I say they, we found some narcotics in the console that I had to call my friends that are police officers to come get. Dude, it was the weirdest. I looked and I was like, I don't think I want to touch this. I'm going to call the cops. Uh, so it was really, really fun. But yeah, there was there was a time period where I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could give this away? And then I got to a place where I looked in, like, how do you do that? Because there's a legal side. Anytime when you see, like, uh, my buddy Cletus, who does giveaways, or anybody else, some of the uh, – it's an interesting dance, right? Sometimes people do it, and it seems, like, totally cool and on the up and up. And then there's other times when you're like, this just something feels weird here. And I didn't want to get caught in that space at all. And I didn't – you know, if I give some way, number one – I have to make sure it's safe enough to give away. I started to do that with this Datsun 510 and then I got underneath it and I was like, no, I need to, I need to sell this to someone who knows what this is. There's no gray area. Like I don't want a 16 year old driving this thing around. So I very much want to do some fun giveaways. It's just a weird thing where you have to make sure that it's not a total piece of garbage. Uh, number one and number two, like, can I do it in a way that's fair and everybody has a shot and whatever? And so that's a, I'm just so lucky to get to play with cars every day and go have fun with my friends. I also don't, uh, I don't ever want that to be something that's a detractor. So I really like, I want to build something for the purpose and with 
friends and sponsors and say, yes, let's build something to give away that will make someone's life better. Not like to you and I, it'd be great, but we don't oh, want to yeah. burden, you know, we don't want to burden someone that isn't just in our eye with some big hunk of junk. So yes, uh, I really appreciate that support. Thank you for following. I hope we get to uh, get to do that. I tell people all the time, like me driving something that's dating, you know, that's not necessarily in the greatest operating condition down the road is one thing. I would never put somebody else behind. Like there's things where I'd like, I don't right. let somebody else drive this, but that's like, that's my form of gambling. Like I joke all the time. Like I'm not into playing with cards. I want to go do fun stuff in the garage. It's, you know, questionable to some individuals. <laughs> right. Absolutely. The line between silly and stupid is a thin one. We always want to make sure we're on the right side of that. Before I forget, we've had a few questions from the folks down by our McDonough store in Georgia. Are you going to come down for one of the Monday night cruisings? Yes, absolutely. Assuming it is post April because uh, I'll be gone for a little while, but man, I'd love for you to get to come check out the blazer uh, and get to show it off there. My friends at Summit, I feel like they have my poster on the wall because I'm such a frequent traveler uh, to McDonough, which is a uh, a great time. So yeah, hopefully I can get down there. Now you're originally in Al- uh, Alabama. Correct. Um, Grew up in Birmingham. Right? And then we moved over here when I was 15 uh, and been here ever since. So um, yeah, man, when they, when they broke ground for the McDonough Summit Racing, I was like, oh, how lucky have I gotten? It's close to the interstate. It's less than an hour away. And I've done that thing where you're like, what time is it? Can we make it? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like that's, oh, we are so fortunate for that. You know, if you've never, if you guys are ever even within an hour or a couple hours, you know, you can swing by on a vacation and check out a summit store. I highly recommend it. All four locations are, are beautiful. There's always cool stuff on the turntables in the front of the store. Like it's a destination. It's an experience. Absolutely. They're like the Bucky's of the automotive parts world. You know, if yes. you've not been to a, to a Bucky's, I heard about Wally's this weekend, which I guess is a vacation uh, themed Wally world sort of thing. So we have the Christmas story house up in Cleveland, like an oh, hour. Yeah, yeah. That's like kind of, um, I have a December birthday. So that's kind of like one of the fun things, you know, you, you go up there and you can, you know, walk through the house, see all the cool memorabilia. It's actually, it's for, it's been for sale for a little bit. I, I can't believe no one's bought it yet. If, yeah. um, if I had a bucket of money, I would be living in the Christmas story house. That would be my goal. <laughs> Absolutely. Think of the tours that you could give, but just like a knock on the door and I'll show you the house for 20 bucks, like zero prep tour. That was, that's what I yeah. would say. Well, we have another guy like by us that decorates his house, like the Griswold house does all the lights. It parks a junky RV out in front of the house, like does the full, full potatoes. I love, I love stuff like that. That's, um, did you know, here's a little trivia. Did you know in the U S there are two of the world's largest ball? of twine but there is one defining characteristic that's different tell me more so i know right you're in yes i mentioned (laughs) so apparently one has a cover over it like a like a lean-to shed roof and the other does not so they're like we're the world's largest (laughs) non-enclosed ball of twine and the other's like we're the world's largest ball of twine with a roof like they're awesome so different but yeah that stuff happens we have another question for you it's from josh he wants to know if you guys finished that corolla you and your daughter were working on and what color did you end up choosing great question yes um it's funny because i ordered the new gr corolla which will hopefully be here in a couple months so it's the all-wheel drive 300 horsepower like basically rally car so my corolla hatchback that i had it was a former sema project for toyota and I think they gave five of them to these different tuner shops. And so this one was kind of built as like a, um, a Hachi, like an AE86 tribute car. Crazy loud exhaust. It was dumped on the ground. It was like a flat gray 
like almost primer gray wrap. And so I let my daughter choose a bunch of different colors and then stuff that she liked wheels, whatever. So at one point I lifted it, put knobby tires on there and a big like roof rack. I was trying to do something fun. Uh, but then when I realized the GR is all wheel drive and actually would be great off-road, I went, oh, okay. So I will take that stuff off. I let fans on my Instagram choose which way we went. So they ended up going with, uh, it's like a cool metallic rose gold. The roof is still black. Uh, it's got cast uh, rotiforms on there, which look great. Continental tires. Magnaflow made me a custom exhaust with this cool uh, Corolla shop. It's in Atlanta on the north side of town. I can't think of their name right now, but they're awesome. They're on my Instagram. Uh, And then we changed the front end to look like a different model Corolla. The hatchback has like a unique one, kind of like for civic nerds like us, the old like EG sedan bumpers were different than the coupe bumpers. It's kind of like... It's those subtle little details that no one ever notices. You get those guys where it was like, well, with this particular build sheet, this this car is one of one or one of, you know, seven. I always, I enjoy that. I kind of poke fun at it a little bit. I would envy someone that got to, you know, order. I owned a 78 Grand Marquis for a while. Big block car was, um, it was, we called it Nessie. It was seafoam green. It was, it was gorgeous. I, I loved the thing. Was it named after Nessie, the Loch Ness monster? It's, it had a small correlation. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad. But, Sorry, um, go ahead. You know, I got it from the the original, you know, original owner, and it was cool. You know, they ordered every option except a passenger side mirror and a cassette player. So I just had to think about this at the time. She wasn't a little old lady, but just sitting there checking all the boxes. Right. It's kind of sad that that's went away. I know, and 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 I, I didn't know until I owned. So I owned a '70 Dodge Charger that I got from my friend Kyle Petty. It was his car in high school. He bought it from his uncle, and Kyle had it, sold it when he got married, bought it back like twenty something years later. His son Austin ended up with it. Austin fixed up. It was a three eighty three with a four-speed pistol grip car. So fun. I got the car, and it was probably six years ago. Well, I sent it to Ride Tech to help them get get some help from them on the suspension because I didn't know where to start. Like, you know, Mopars, I realized, like, we kind of characterize Mopar people as being, like, a little bit different because they're pretty intense. They really love their stuff. Well, it was the reason is like there were less Mopars made. If you look at Camaro or Mustang or anything else, whatever the equivalent is, there were less of them made. So number one, there was less out there. That meant there was less parts, less people customizing. So the people that really loved them were just like so enamored that that really became their thing, right? The best part for me of that car is they called and said, uh, hey, who lowered this thing? And I was like, oh, a uh, 14-year-old named Kyle Petty in 1978 or whatever it was, 676. And they're like, it looks like an old race car underneath here. And I was like, oh, oh, no, it is. Because Richard Petty never threw anything out. They just used old stuff from the race cars on this car. And he's like, yeah, dude, it's like looking at the front end. It really was set up like a stock car. And I was like, oh, dude, pull the gear out of the rear end. Kyle said that he was racing someone once on a highway before they opened it. And this was in like level cross. I can't remember what the name of the highway was. It's going toward Ashboro, I think. And Kyle said they're racing. This is before they opened the highway. And this guy's in a Trans Am and thinks he's got him. And Kyle smiles and, and Kyle goes from third gear to fourth gear and left the dude. And he's like, yeah, dude, we just had the King's old stuff in here. Woods of cup gear, like wherever. 
And I went, wow, that's that's where all the cool Mopar stuff went. Okay, there it is. Yep. Just like you said, I, I feel for the Mopar guys. They're all unibody cars. So, you know, time is not kind to them, unfortunately. Right. But if you crash one of those cars, they bend in weird ways because of the torsion bars. And they're kind of, you know, they're thin from the factory. Like they only built a mind-blowing number, so 426 Hemis. There's only, I think, 13 or 14, like, it's like 13 or 14,000 ever built. So those guys, if you're restoring a numbers-matching high-dollar Mopar car, you're going to spend some money. My buddy Brian from Brian's Paint and Body down here by me uh, is a huge Mopar guy. He goes to all the shows. Like He's always got his stuff for sale, whatever. But every time he goes to the show, he ends up bringing more stuff home than he started with. I identify with that problem. <laughs> It's, you understand. I, I get rid of one thing so I can get two more. If you clean up all the stuff around my parents' property, you probably get seven, eight grand worth of scrap. If you took the time, catalog this stuff, she can retire. Right. It's just crazy that that's, and I think that's also part of what will keep you and I still knocking on doors and, and leaving notes on cars. There's so many stories to me. And that's what I think every time I walk around a junkyard, I think, man, who owned this? How did this car get here? What kind of life did it have? And I think that story for me, that's one of those things that that's why I love patina so much. It tells this story of where this thing has been in the history of it. And that's one of those things that I always kind of come back to is like, you know, when you see a Superbird in incredible shape, man, it makes your heart really happy. But when I saw I was at the Indy 500 and I saw that the Winged Warriors Club was having a meeting at the Mug and Bun. And I saw this old Superbird, the, the top's hanging off like it was a vinyl top. It's ragged out. It looks like the car from Joe Dirt. And I couldn't look away like that. That's a car that I would own today and I wouldn't touch a thing. I, I'd make sure the brakes work, make sure everything's healthy. And I would drive the absolute crap out of it because that yes. to me is what makes it so special, you know? So that's kind of like was our big joke at SEMA outside the West Hall. You know, that's they line up all those trucks outside and, you know, you have brand new, you know, one ton diesel trucks and it's lifted and it's got all this crazy suspension underneath it. Sitting on the sidewalk in front of the building was a minty all stock Grand Wagoneer. And I could stare at the, uh, the trucks I had no interest in or the cool Porsches and stuff sitting outside. You're like, I have no desire to look at that. I want to look at this stock Wagoneer sitting on the sidewalk. Now, that was was that the same one? I think there was one there that had a trail. Uh, I mean, a uh, um, what was the Hawk? What do they call that one? Tra oh, Trailhawk? Yeah, there was one. Wait, or is track that hawk. it? No, Trackhawk. There's one yeah. that someone stuffed a Trackhawk set up underneath, but it still looks like an original yeah, one. Yeah, I know it was, it was It was white. The hood wasn't open or anything, but the thing was just gorgeous. Like you said, Bettina, rusty stuff. If the car could talk, the stories it could tell. It'd be amazing, man. And so where, besides going and filming this, you know, you, you said you have a new project you're going to be working on. You're building the Blazer. You still have the panel van? I sold the the very first one that I built that people would have seen on Lost in Transmission that I built with Summit. I sold that one. And then I think it was Jim that works at the home office at Summit had one that is um, from the Beaver Park Marina. I bought that from him and then I built it. It's got a Charger SRT8 swap underneath their custom built uh, S10 frame that we cut and stretched and everything. That's uh, That was built to Kenwood Rotchop. Still have it. I love it. I thought about selling it, but man, it just puts a smile on my face every time I drive it. And then uh, I traded that Jeep that we were talking about earlier to Randy from Kenwood for a 56 Ford F100 project that I will eventually get to. 
uh, do some fun stuff with it. I mean, the problem is the Ring Brothers keep making stuff that's so cool. I can't, I can't process it. So I'm like, man, maybe I, maybe I don't need fenders, right? When it comes to garage work, that's where I fall short. I have to write something down and put it on a piece of paper, and then it's going to take me three times the amount of material to build it. They have that ability to just be like, oh. I have this picture in my head and I'm going to make it out of this flat piece of steel. And it's going to be, how do you do that? How? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I envy that skill. You know, I'm really good at, you know, wasting material though. My scrap band is just absolutely, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you and me both. It turns out we got to make a lot of scrap to get as good at something like that. Like that's a beautiful thing, man. I think the roadmaster, here's the tough thing. This roadmaster wagon that I just got back to 96, my buddy Dax Shepard has what I think is the greatest roadmaster out there right now. Uh, his has an LSA in there and uh, supercharged. I drove it and I told him he needed to put in a gearbox, like what's in the CTSV wagon that I have. I think he needs something like that. It needed it needed a little bit faster shifting. The problem is that's going to mess with my head and it'll make me want to make mine fast. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. But um, I also have a mystery car coming from Japan that at some point I will share pictures of you'll you'll enjoy it it'll be I, it'll be a great I've been looking at Japanese mini trucks lately that's that has been a Duncan Duncan Imports I was ta- talking yep. to Gary last night over email Gary's a, an awesome one. there's a ton of great ones out there uh Japanese classics is another great one but Gary Duncan uh in Christiansburg Virginia is an awesome guy he's got some incredible stuff and that's just again if you're on a road trip go to Summit Go by Gary's place. Go check out some cool stuff. Yeah, hopefully everybody can keep up with me on uh, Instagram and on Facebook, and uh, and you'll get to see more fun stuff. But yeah, thank you. Big thanks, Justin, for having me and Summit for all the great things we get to do together. I'm so excited for everyone to get to see the Blazer. Heck yeah, sounds good. Absolutely. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have fun, make good choices, and don't talk to strangers. We'll see you guys later. <laughs> see y'all. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.